Hey everyone, Nick here. Before the show begins, me and Rob would just like to add a little disclaimer about this episode. Since we recorded this episode on Monday, the issue of racism and police brutality against racial minorities in America, Australia and elsewhere has become increasingly widespread and highly emotional, both to people who've been affected by these issues and also the wider community. While recording this episode, we only had information available to us at the time. Me and Rob stand against racism and police brutality against African Americans, Indigenous Australians and all racial minorities, and would like to affirm our support for all the people who've been affected by this issue. Thank you for listening and please enjoy the show. You've got to be joking. You've got to be joking. Now when the treasurer wishes oh, to go no. there or not, I would forbid him going. Hey Nick, how are you going? I'm really good, Rob. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. We <laughs> we just did a clap test for. Hopefully, we can get video out this week. Yeah, for video purposes. Um, Hello, by the way. Yeah. Uh, if you're watching this, who knows? You might not ever be able to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a process. We're still figuring all this stuff out. Yeah. So it, it was. It's a bit awkward. We have our ten seconds of silence before an episode, and now we have to do a big clap. So. Really, it really makes a weird situation to start with. It must be so weird for people in radio and stuff, right? I'm sure there's a lot of stuff we just don't see that's just whack. Yeah, and they don't they don't reveal the behind the scenes like we do yeah. on radio, do they? Yeah, it's just very weird. Yeah, it's strange that. Also, wearing headphones, by the way, like I got to do it to monitor the audio. Very weird as well because I'm hearing both of us live talking, but also I can hear it outside of the headphones. It's very weird. Yeah, that does sound strange, I must say. Yeah. Um, reminds me of... I was listening to a segment on Triple J the other week and one of the hosts was like, oh, my Uber Eats, I mean, the the company that delivers food, because <laughs> they're oh, not allowed no. to say like any company's name on, uh, I think all ABC radio actually, um, unless, you know, it's like the company comes out or some shit like that. Good quality uh, public broadcasting. Yeah. It's <laughs> so bad, by the way. <laughs> no, I love ABC radio. What are you talking about? I love ABC radio, but. Uh, I've been listening to because my footy trainings are on at five thirty or six o'clock most nights, um, and I have to drive the like riders hacks on on Triple J. Oh, that's hack though. Hack pisses me off so much. It's like it reminds me of um a scene in the In Betweeners where um Carly, not Carly, who was Simon's b- girlfriend yeah. for like three episodes. Oh, I Tara. Don't, I don't yeah, Tara. remember that. <laughs> It was Tara, and she was saying, oh, you know, I'm reading this magazine. It's basically shit. I hate it. That's like me with pretty much with hack at this point. I listen to it every week, but I hate it so It just makes me so angry. Rob, you know there's other news channels besides Triple J. Yeah, I know, but... Uh, Go to uh, ABC National Radio, 810 yeah, but a.m. It's so good. They're Pete. the same as a, Triple J, except no. they don't talk about pill testing as much. They no. talk about other shit. No, Patricia Carvalis with RN Drive, so good. I, I love Patricia. <laughs> but yeah, that well, that's my main issue with, um, with Hack, is that they only talk about pill testing, changing the date, and like gay marriage. That's that's pill what young people like care about. Oh my god! As we've seen this week, Rob, young people only care about social issues, and honestly, fair enough. Yeah, well, with the events of this week, fair enough. Yeah, definitely. I will say that I, I really don't want to step on any toes this episode. This episode. Oh um, yeah, Rob, you, Rob. Wait, are you going to be 
drawn back this episode? Are you not going to come well, out swinging? Not, not with our first topic, which we'll get into. Oh yeah, okay. Our yeah. first topic, I'll get angry and I'll, I'll throw some left hooks. Vent. Um, but the second topic, we got to give it. It's, it's true. You know, cadence. Yeah, and of course we're referring to uh, the first topic is going to be Australian stuff, but the second topic, obviously, the U.S. race riots that are happening. As we speak, tonight is this, uh, last night was the sixth recurring night of protests against the George Floyd killing. Um, and it's ongoing. It's all the news is talking about, all anyone Aries is talking about on social media. And it comes like literally last week when we were saying like there's so much going on in the world right now. And like it was from, you know, coronavirus and stimulus now to like a, you know, the ongoing issue of race, racial violence in the U.S., yeah, and this is an issue. We should probably wait and talk about this later, but I'll say right now it's an issue that isn't new for the US, and I think that's why it's uh, been so large uh, about this because it's not unprecedented, this type of thing, Yeah, which is quite very, very sad. And there's also a big history of this issue kind of being um, uh, read about and discussed uh, overseas as well yeah. in, in really, you know, relative to other US issues. Like, yeah, a lot of people I know are talking about this. Everyone's posting about it. It's making headlines in, like, all the international papers and all the other national papers. So it's definitely a huge story, you know? In, yeah, it in is, a world of other it? huge it's, stories. It's a huge story, and it's a time that makes you really reflect on things like this. And it, we often talk about on this podcast how we don't really uh, like these social issues a lot, but these social issues are still very important issues and it's very, very sad to see that um, these social issues are still issues when they really shouldn't be um, issues anymore. We should have solved these a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the time we kind of talk about how these like very complex economic issues that go back to like wealth inequality and kind of feed into social problems are like, you know, the most important thing and are kind of underreported, but also like definitely shouldn't take away steam from huge social injustice that occurs everywhere in the world, really. And yeah. I, I think always will. Um, so it's good to give that a platform as well. Um, yeah. And we're going to use our platform to talk about, I guess, both social injustice, all of this episode, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, so our first topic, we, we won't get into it straight away, but we'll tell you what it is right now. It's Alan Jones and his retirement, which might have been a few weeks back now. Um, and he is a, a very controversial figure, I guess, among particularly young people. And he was beloved um, by many Australians as a shock jock radio host. Um, and he's known to have a lot of controversial opinions that could have caused some social issues, let's say. Yeah, he's very hugely divisive, I think, in a negative way. And a lot of kind of, I want to say, like, neutral observers, but also people who are, like, have done a lot of research into this stuff and kind of um, come from, like, a professional standpoint have pointed to, like, him being a divisive and kind of negative figure, regardless of kind of um, the other kind of quality of his reporting or whatever. He definitely, over multiple instances you know, contributed to social injustice. And I think that's like a theme definitely that's, you can see a similarity between here and the U S now where you have a huge number of controversial figures weighing in on the whole situation of the U S Donald Trump being one of them. A number of other people have also weighed in, you know, 
in opposition to Donald Trump, giving different various nuanced opinions, but everyone has something to say about it. Yes, this is true. Uh, And speaking of Donald Trump and US politics, you know how last week I was talking about the political window? I figured out the official political science term for it over the week. Oh, Rob, please grace us with it. It is called, ready? Drum roll, please. Not going to actually do that, but yep. The Overton window. Whoa, Named after a guy, presumably his last name was Overton. That's, I've never heard of that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Um, I watched the Vox video about it, which, you know, once again, a, a media site that I don't really like, but we'll move that to one side. <laughs> Vox. Um, yeah. So, sorry again for the sober, for the sober, um, sobering, sorry, start to this episode. Uh, Nick, do you have a fun fact for this week? I Wait, am I going first? We we do have a new fun fact segment. We're trialing it, so there's a bit, a bit of trial and error here. <laughs> I thought your fun fact was first. All right, I'll go then. Yeah, we you know, in light of us being a depressing podcast, me and Rob thought it was a good idea to bring a fun fact to the table, a kind of uh, you know an optimistic fact that'll make you feel good about the world. Yeah, and the fact that I'd like to bring up was um, a sheriff in a small town in the US. I can't find it right now. In Flint, Michigan. Ah, yes, Flint, Michigan. His name I'm is very familiar. his name is Chris Swanson. Which, by the way, Swanson is just the best name ever for a police officer. Obviously, after Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, he made an empowering speech to the protesters, put down his baton, and all of his guards and all of his you know crews, um, shields and stuff, and marched with protesters against police police brutality and it really shows um a, you know a sign of solidarity between the people and police in at least this town um and you know as as much as i hate to say it, this you know sort of often used as a right-wing way of defending police brutality of not all police are bad but it's a really great thing to see that um that these that um you know, in these increasingly divisive times that uh, people can put that aside and, you know, march as one against a common issue of racism and police brutality. It was really heartwarming. I watched it earlier today. I, I will definitely link it on our Instagram, but yep. definitely give it a watch. Um, obviously, a lot of the media attention gets drawn towards the not good stuff, which is important, but also equally valuable to yeah highlight the the good examples where we can yeah stand in solidarity and stand against divisiveness. Yeah. It was, really bad. it was a great thing to see. And yeah, it's it's really important to see that um you know a large majority of police are on our side, I guess. Definitely. Um yeah, and we'll talk about more about the whole issue later as well. But yeah, yes. um I wanna also talk about um Alan Jones controversial radio 2gb radio host um over in new south wales who recently retired uh, i think it was last week or the week before after a very very long a decade long career in uh, radio and being a very very controversial and divisive figure in a number of different instances and he was a kind of herald for you know far right wing views and issues and people for a very long time and a lot of people had a lot of issues with him malcolm turnbull included by the way he mentioned him a lot in the book um yeah so uh, did you say decade long i think it's more than i think it's a couple oh, decades, decades. Yeah. yeah okay yeah i think so he started in 1985 as i'm looking at right now um 
and he has increasingly over time become more of a shock jock radio host and a bit of a haven for um, sort of far right views as, as much as I hate to use that term in in Australia and in Sydney in particular. Yeah, definitely. Um, and no one in WA has really heard of 2GB unless you've looked into the issue really because it's a New South Wales kind of local radio station. But you have to understand that in New South Wales, it's a really popular station and he does contract uh, or attract a considerable number of listeners or he did anyway. And he was consistently rated very highly among like um, listener polls and viewership statistics. He was rated extremely highly as like a radio host ahead of all others. And he won many awards relating to that, which by itself is impressive. And a lot of people have pointed to that. But at the same time, he's been so controversial and so divisive, so much so that one of the reasons why they let him go yeah, he said that he retired partly due to health issues, but another reason was so many advertisers withdrew from sponsoring his radio show that it actually wasn't really making any money any, anymore. So 2, 2GB were kind of forced as well to drop him. I didn't know that, actually. Yeah, there um, you go. Was that after his most recent comments about Jacinda? It was, yes. Yeah, uh, 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 advertisers have left him a lot, but it was Jacinda that really killed him. Yeah, the straw that broke the camel's back. And that's in reference to his comments where he said that Jacinda Ardern should be put like in the middle of the ocean and forced to swim back to New Zealand. Yeah, so he had a disgusting history with uh, his, the way he views women, especially women in power. So that was the latest exploit he said about Jacinda Ardern. And he, I believe, apologized and sent her a letter afterwards. But it is just really terrible. And like, if you listen, maybe... You know, I might even play a clip, if I can, of uh, a little mashups of Alan Jones. So if I do end up finding that, I'll put it right here. John has a good answer. He says, it seems the police and the council are impotent here. All rhetoric, no action. My suggestion is to invite one of the biker gangs to be present in numbers at Cronulla Railway Station when these Lebanese thugs arrive. It'll be worth the price of admission to watch these cowards scurry back onto the train for the return trip to their lairs. Absolutely laughable. The woman's off her tree. And quite frankly, they should shove her and Bob Brown in a chaff bag and take them as far out to sea as they can and tell them to swim home. Clown, Jacinda Ardern, a complete clown. I just wonder whether Scott Morrison's going to be fully briefed to shove a sock down the throat. I mean, she is a joke, this woman, and an absolute and utter lightweight. Why the hell are we listening to Jacinda Ardern? If I see her once more on the TV, I'll puke. But okay. otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, um, if you do listen to it, he often gets viewers to like send messages in that are very kind of divisive and kind of not based on any rational response. And he gives them airtime and he kind of builds on them. And it's really like feeds into a lot of like really divisive, like and disgusting kind of views about women. Oh, um, yeah. I think his, his record with women in power was, is well shown by <laughs> the time when Gillard was prime minister in australia um with you know all the things that is her late father dying of shame and there was plenty more things that i'm sure you would have heard some in the clip if nick's put it in oh yeah Uh, if not it'll be on the instagram (laughs) yeah definitely we'll see if i can figure out that one um and yeah uh, so he he clearly had a sort of issue with well i don't want to say clearly but 
there was an issue with women in power for him. For, yeah, for, for whatever reason, there was some kind of internal bias. And when I think he like had guests and talked to his listeners on and had their messages come in, it kind of compounded and fed, you know, and like kind of gave the illusion that those views were kind of like mainstream in Australian society. And that's, I think, when like these things can become really toxic. And you said that you made reference to one of the really probably worst things he's actually said, which is um, recorded privately. He said at a function that Julia Gillard's late father had died of shame because of all the lies allegedly she said in parliament. Yeah, which um, I guess I'll jump in now and say the, those lies that she said in prior to the 2010 election weren't really, I, yeah, if she lied, sure. If politicians do that, I understand that. But that was mainly down to the fact that she was forced to cut a deal with the Greens and the independent parties, which forced her to change her policy, most notably with that, with the whole carbon tax. Um, you could you could definitely see that the Greens were a major influence in the reason why Labor brought that back, despite promising it wouldn't occur in the 2010 election. Yeah, and like it really does become an echo chamber and there's kind of no accountability, internal accountability at all. And it's just like, why would you ever say such a horrible thing about like let anyone, let alone an elected official that's performing a public service, right? And you can see that kind of echo chamber effect multiplies when, you know, Alan Jones mates, including like Tony Abbott, Peter Dutton, many others come on his show and kind of espouse their very right-wing conservative views, which really are outdated um, for the rest of mainstream Australia. Yep. And they, they're given more legitimacy and their kind of confidence is boosted. And um, in Malcolm Temple's book, which I, I read recently, he himself professed uh, he was very annoyed when Peter Dutton would go on 2GB with um, Alan Jones and kind of get too, get too t- carried away with policy on immigration and say something really controversial and bad that the government didn't support. Well, that's the thing. Those those right wing views were never challenged, whether it was coming from a politician or a guest, or from, you know, listeners who would text in, and he would always give those extreme views a platform, and he would rarely challenge them. And that's an issue that is often seen. A lot of people talk about how mainstream media gave uh, Pauline Hanson too much um, airtime, and that's the only reason why she was elected. Um, but at least mainstream media criticizes her policies. You know, Alan Jones would just let these extreme right-wing views come on and wouldn't challenge them at all, as seen with the Cronulla rights. Yeah, it's well, the best example. I was going to mention the Cronulla rights is perhaps the thing that he's most infamous for. And if anyone doesn't know what the Cronulla rights were, in 2005 in this Sydney suburb of Cronulla, there was a, like some kind of altercation with Lebanese individuals and white Australian individuals. Um, and then that kind of prompted Alan Jones and other right-wing commentators to talk about that issue on radio. And a lot of hateful, abusive, race, racist comments came in and Alan Jones read out one live, um, which basically incited people to march on the streets uh, in, against, like, in a kind of racist protest against Lebanese people. Yeah, and he called Lebanese individual Lebanese Australians, you know, vermin, like disgusting human beings, and all of that led to like huge riots that have been deemed the Cronulla riots in two thousand five. Um, but not any riots like against racism. There were white Australians, conservative Australians, marching and 
looting and um, abusing Lebanese people and businesses in Cronulla. Yeah, so the official quote was, come to Cronulla this weekend to take revenge. Get down to North Cronulla to support the Leb and Wog bashing day. And he read that out live on he radio. He read that out live and he didn't implicitly um, discourage it at all. He didn't say, don't do that, that's you know wrong. He, if anything, implicitly said do it. And, you know, that's horrible and disgusting. I think most people would agree with that, right? Most people outside that kind of far right-wing, hate, you know, hateful, divisive echo chamber. But one of the other problems is with this, that the media watchdog and kind of the regulations that are placed on media aren't, don't really have that power to kind of stop him from doing that. So he did get held accountable for that. But it was a 10-year court process where eventually after about 10 years, he was made to say an apology on radio. But, you know, it was completely disingenuous and it had been 10 years of yeah, him exactly. fighting that in the, the courts. The, um, after 10 years, a lot of people had forgotten about the comments and to an extent the Cronulla riots. I mean, um, a lot of people that wouldn't be as well-versed in politics as... Me and you, you know, me and you, Nick, real intelligent guys. Intellectuals. <laughs> don't don't take that seriously, yeah, by the way. Yeah, please don't. Um, but like the Cronulla rights aren't exactly a uh, worldwide phenomenon that everyone would know about, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the, he had to do a similar thing about climate change. He gave, he gave air to a lot of climate change deniers and skeptics and espoused a lot of just incorrect statements and facts about climate change and emissions. And he was eventually, after, again, a lengthy process made to um, give an apology and kind of set the record straight on air. It was actually one of the last things he did before he retired. But the damage had kind of already been done, you know? And I think the way his supporters see that is that the the authority, like, you know, in an unfair process, like, made him, um, you made him have to say, like, the mainstream kind of opinion and your voice is being silenced. Yeah, it almost feeds into that whole um, anti- uh, mainstream uh, media kind of view, if that makes sense at all. Um, because, you know, the silencing of their only far-right um, talk show host sort of proved that this whole uh, you know, mainstream media um, myth, not myth, uh, mainstream media conspiracy is what I'm looking for, uh, to take down these, you know, traditional right-wing views i guess and traditional is probably not the right word to use that either yeah and yeah it gives air to all that stuff and so so he's retired basically is the the point and but you know like the i saw a lot of reporting that reflected on the on the bad parts of his career and how divisive and awful he was which is what i think really it should only be given credence but you know on the day he retired um, Tony Abbott, Scott Morrison both called him and congratulated him on his career. And even Anthony Albanese, um, opposition leader of the Labour Party, called him and congratulated him. Um, and, you know, they didn't mention anything about all the hurtful things he's done, all the divisiveness, you know, just the disinformation he spread, you know, the damage he's done to social injustice and also, like, important policies of climate change. Yeah, yeah. Um- it's really sad when he retired. Um, I know a lot of news outlets portrayed him as a legend. I remember before before this podcast, I googled his name to try and you know do a bit of last minute research about his career. And um, the most 
damning thing was all the reports about his retirements. A lot of them were saying, you know, radio legend or, you know, veteran radio host. And no one, there wasn't really a proper credence given to his. He's quite frankly, um, you know, really poor record on these things and disgusting attitude towards women and uh, minorities in Australia. Yeah. In the new Australia, I reckon. Well, because the the you know at the at the heart of it, these views are not the views of mainstream Australians, right? No, not at all. And what he does is he creates this like horrible echo chamber, like we've talked about, that kind of just gives legitimacy to these views and gives confidence to those who have those views that they are more mainstream Australian. Um, and you know, like him, like he and others in News Corp and elsewhere were like part of the reasons that shifted Malcolm Turnbull out part of the reasons why the coalition government is so right-wing on energy and climate change because those voices in the media convince those politicians that that is the view of mainstream Australians when you know polls and election data shows that it's really not well I think that uh, that along with the fact that um, if you remove your you know start supporting renewable energy and such you'd lose that support from the highly popular Alan Jones and I don't think a lot of people would listen to Alan Jones purely because of his political views. I think a lot of people listen to him because he was a very entertaining character. It's the um, it's similar with Alex Jones in the US, I think. Is it Alex? Yeah, I don't or know. Alan. I was trying to think about this before. I think it's Alex Jones. They have oh, very similar names. It's actually confusing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. You know, They really abuse their position and it's uh, unlucky for everyone. It so, is Alex Jones, by the way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> it's so bad when they can combine, you know, being an entertaining personality with their horrible divisive views. Yeah, and it, it sort of slowly drips these views into the mainstream when you garner an audience that large. And it's very, very sad that these views can even get a mainstream audience in today's day and age. Um, I thought Australia, we were better than that, but clearly not. I mean, like, thankfully, you know, he was, uh, you know, partly brought down by collective action, you know, by people who forced advertisers to withdraw from the program. But, yeah. you know, he was around for, like, more than, uh, you know, 85 decades. is when he started at 2GP. Yeah. 2G. So, what is that? It's uh, 35 years. Yeah. That's Long insane. Time. Crazy. Yeah. It oh. is crazy to think about that... Um, someone can, with his history could stay around and stay popular in the main, in Australian's media sca- uh, landscape for that long when his views were, I think, outdated in the 90s. <laughs> it's really it's <laughs> Am I so wrong? horrible. Yeah, no. Um, thank God we had a fun segment, a, a good positive yeah. message segment this episode. Yeah, honestly, though. It's, it's going to be hard to stay positive throughout this podcast, hence why we've added those two things in. But Alan Jones is truly one of the like worst people on this earth, I reckon. So toxic, I think. Um, yeah. the, th- the things he said about Julia Gillard really uh, sort of inspired that whole ditch the, ditch the bitch or ditch the witch shit that kept on going on. And look, I, look, Julia Gillard, you can have your opinions about her as a politician. And it's that old saying of, you know, you know hurt the career, don't hurt the person, I think. She she shouldn't have been prosecuted for her gender and just her personality. You should prosecute her for policy. And if you don't agree with her policy, fair enough, that's fine. But politics is based on policy, not on personality. 
and the the whole you know di- dying of shame of a father really pissed me off and really left a sour taste in my mouth surrounding his retirement. I I could not agree more, and I think you know that we should leave it there because that's like a perfect summation of yeah. really what we think here. And also we yeah fuck you, Alan Jones. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> we should um if you're listening, we should talk also about address the more controversial topic definitely in the discussion today yeah sorry about going a bit long there (laughs) that's okay no i mean i think there's a lot of crossover here though right yeah because like the kind of the same uh, divisiveness um and hatred that is you know alan jones fed upon and kind of gave legitimacy to in this country is a lot worse in the u.s and i think a lot of commentators fade off that and give a legitimacy as well but occasionally it blows up massively like we're seeing this week with those huge race riots. Yeah, um, those race riots are obviously in relation to the death of uh, George George Floyd. Um, and this is a topic we probably won't be making our usual sort of uh, jokes and stuff about because that man died unlawfully. He I was think. murdered. He was murdered. Yeah, yeah. definitely. He was murdered. Um, and it's a really sad thing when these things can still happen in the 21st century, let alone in 20 years after the millennium. Yeah, I mean, it really, I, everyone agrees that like it's horrible. You know, everyone from Trump to, you know, whoever, us, agree that that's horrible. I don't even know if Trump agrees with that view. I, I think he might agree with the view that he shouldn't have died, but he's not happy about the protests occurring. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It becomes such a difficult and complicated, like, issue because some people yeah i think everyone you know disagrees with the murder of course but then these huge protests that are happening right now which involve certain individuals like looting um uh, performing arson injuring other people and police officers and stuff that becomes more complicated because like you know i don't think anyone supports you know destroying like innocent kind of businesses and stuff and you know hurting people Yeah, it's a tough line to balance and I can understand the uh, African-American community's outrage because this isn't the first time they've had issues like this with uh, Rodney Smith occurring in the 90s, uh, causing the LA riots Um, and, you know, multiple incidents since then. Um, So I can understand the anger, but it's probably not the best way to deal with that, especially if you want to garner um, support by your traditionally quite anti-civil rights president yeah and i think that's something that um civil rights activists really struggle with is how to channel the kind of multitude of perspectives that are all broadly like obviously against you know um violence and, and injustice committed towards black people but you know you can't advocate for people to you know perform arson and do all those things but at the same time you don't want to like take away steam from their cause and like you know you can understand, as you said, a lot of their ra- like outrage. Yeah, I mean, it, as I said, it's not the first time this has happened and it's truly outrageous that these can, this thing can still happen. And the fact that it's, it's no longer a single incident, it's no longer a few bad eggs, it seems to be a systemic problem in um, many American police forces. And it's truly, truly um, devastating that it is. Yeah, and I mean, um, so I think it's about a thousand um, black people that are killed in the US by the police every year, which is a really high and scary number. For comparison, I think, um, I know I saw a Guardian story today that said 
241 Indigenous people since 1990 have died in custody in Australia. So obviously that's still really bad. And a lot of people have actually used this issue in Australia to give credence to um, Indigenous deaths and custodies and Indigenous issues in this country. But I think yeah, everyone has to agree that this is an acutely terrible problem in the US and has been for a long time. Yeah, and I remember earlier in the week a lot of people were talking about how this issue isn't as bad as in Australia, um, and I tend to agree with that. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. Oh, it isn't as bad. It shouldn't be. It doesn't exist. And the fact that racism among police forces can still exist is really, really uh, devastating. Can't really say anything else about it. Really. Yeah, it's just it really is quite upsetting and. It's different from a lot of the things we talk about here because there's no clear like policy solution here, and yeah, I think I that's think it's a it's a changing of the culture. How and do you do that as changing well? Changing culture is much more difficult than changing policy. Uh, culture usually changes over multiple generations, and you can still see that there's an old generation in police forces. I hate to keep um, pointing them out as the target, but you can't really point it at anyone else. I don't think there's as many uh, racial-related deaths um, by people in power compared to them. Am I right or am I wrong? Oh, no, no, I think you're right. (laughs) No, so I was just on my computer (laughs) while Rob was saying that. But no, I also, well, that I I agree, but also I want to draw attention as well to a killing that made big headlines but not as big as George Floyd. Earlier this year, um, Ahmed Arbre in, I think I'm saying that right, in the US was just a um, an innocent black person who was shot by two white individuals, not police officers, in Georgia because yeah. they, they literally just thought for some reason that he was responsible for a robbery and decided to go out there and shoot him and kill him. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, r- racism isn't dead, unfortunately. Um, and it's really sad that that culture hasn't changed yet. And I guess what we can do as the youngest generation uh, is change that culture um, because we're, you know, when we're the oldest generation, we can hopefully influence this change and it can be dead, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you can only hope, right? Like, I think one of the the really problematic things about this whole issue is that there is no clear policy solution and that means that all of the outrage has no real kind of um, end point. Yeah. Like any and any target to kind of all unify against, and I think maybe that's why you see such divisiveness around this issue and such uh, aggression and anger and outrage in so many different forms. And I think as well, like you, this is a kind of um, unprecedented because there's a, been a huge reaction on social media in America and also all other countries, like Australia included. Yeah, and I think there've even been um, in real life protests around Europe and the UK in particular, and that's really good that um, as a as an international community we can stand up against these issues that shouldn't be issues. Definitely, I I even saw today there's uh, there was a Facebook link for a protest in Perth. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, and like. Of course, if you're doing like peaceful protests, like, yeah, that's absolutely all right. And I think it's like, if you want to do that, that's a really good positive thing you can do. And it's good to keep politically informed. But like, unfortunately as well, I've seen it at the same time, whenever this happens, it kind of invites 
different issues of divisiveness to kind of open up on the social media sphere, especially like I was telling Rob earlier, I've seen a post which says, which you know, from someone I know that said, um, if you're not donating to any causes um, linked to this issue, then you're like as bad as the people who like pro- like propagate it. Yeah. And like, you're just doing this for like to appear like woke or whatever. And like, you know, you're like part of the problem, which is just, I think not good. <laughs> it's just so toxic. Yeah. It's, it's not the right way to approach this. Um, and I, again, I can understand the outrage. I got to stress that. Um, and I'm, I'd say I'm just as outraged, even though I'm probably not because I don't know these experiences. I haven't felt these experiences of racism firsthand and I can only really imagine and try and sympathize with um, African-Americans and indigenous people as to the systemic issues they face every day purely because they weren't born into a certain race, which it shouldn't ever be an issue, but for some reason it is still and it's just, it's truly like horrifying them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, they're, they're the products of just really completely different worlds and they inherit kind of all these prejudices and also like the upbringings that are associated with more disadvantage, cyclical disadvantage. Um, but, you know, I think you're you're so right in saying that, you know, like we might not understand the issue, we might not like be the best equipped to like, you know, provide a solution or something, but it's definitely wrong to criticise people who care and want to say they care and want to show their support. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you there, Nick. Um, uh, so, yeah, to people out there that suffer from these issues in Australia, being an Indigenous community or in America, uh, I'm, I'm truly sorry for everything that's been done. Definitely. Um, yeah, I would also absolutely say the same. Um, <laughs> you know, like... This is a real serious part of the podcast. I yeah, we, we don't really before. get this serious uh, no. often. So uh, sorry if you're looking for a lighthearted romp. Yeah, um, but it's just so important, especially in the given the context this week. If you're listening, in the, and and yeah, we're recording on a Monday. I will say, so we're not um, aware of anything that happens. Yeah, um, things most likely would have changed between now and Wednesday. I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, we just want to you know, extend our support. Um, and our kind of um, sympathy to all the things happening and to, to everyone as well. And yep. just, yeah, say that, you know, I think it's important to be positive um, and caring and understanding in this time. Yeah. And I guess we'll end on a positive note, Nick. Your positive note for this week was? <laughs> <laughs> put me on the spot. Well, well, I put you on the spot last week. Um, yeah, well, my positive note is actually kind of, well, it's, it's in relation to this whole issue, though. I... You know, it's easy and it's very easy and I can see my kind of the process of my brain doing it when you see someone maybe who's not the most informed person post on like social media and say something about the protest. But, you know, it's easy to kind of chastise that person and say they're ignorant and they don't know what they're talking about. But like, just remember that any kind of act, any um, action of like being trying to be more politically aware trying to engage with these social issues is like fundamentally positive and yeah. we want to like nurture that and cherish that and you know engage with these people and these issues in a positive way and yeah. with like the just the sheer number of people posting on this about social media and i guess the 
the kind of extent that the social media nowadays lets us talk about these issues in a public forum, I think that there is a big positive to that about being able to talk about these issues, see that everyone supports it. I think it gives a lot of legitimacy to helping end these issues. Yeah, I think that is a great point, Nick. And um, I think it's really important that we support people that are brave enough to come out and make these posts about um, George Floyd's death um, and not chastise them because they might not have been that interested in the political system prior to this. I think it's important that we um, come together as community against this issue and really support the African-American community here. Yeah. And like, you remember, like, as we've said before, like where we all come into this with like different knowledge and different levels of understanding, but there's no, you know, there's no positive benefit to trying to ridicule someone um, or, you know, tell someone their beliefs are wrong. Um, We want to focus on understanding communicating in a positive way so we can meet you know this social issue all social issues um and you know the kind of issues that we face now as a community with like a sense of strength and and understanding and positivity and feel like we're tackling this as a community not as individuals yep i couldn't agree more nick wow that was a very that was a very uh heraldy moment of the podcast it's crazy yeah uh thank you for listening to this podcast um sorry that it wasn't the most upbeat um podcast we've had yeah um hopefully it'll get back to our usual sort of jokey ourselves um thank you so much um follow us on instagram at unrepresentative swill if you'd like to listen more um again solidarity with the protests happening in the u.s our heart goes out to everyone who's been affected by this issue and uh have a good week yeah i'll see you guys next week